So let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Almighty God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We thank you that you are God, that you love us. We thank you that you're the Lord of heaven and earth. And we, are, we praise your holy name this morning as we, uh, as we gather together as a family. Father, we ask your blessings upon this church as we move forward, as, as we have so many things going on. I pray that, that everyone here will, will engage and be a part of that and really really buy into all of the, all the community things that we're doing here as a, as a family of believers. Father, bless us this morning as we study. We ask that you'd open our hearts and open our minds that we might uh, be, uh, be more receptive to accepting the truth that, you, that you're going to tell us this morning. And we thank you for the opportunity to hear it. And we thank you for the opportunity to put it into practice in our lives. Bless us, Father, as we do that. Thank you for all that you do and all that you've done in our lives. And thank you so much for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The, uh, I told you before that, that, that John chapter 14, 15, and 16, and 17 really is a, is a discourse that Jesus has with his disciples. And, uh, and chapter 17 is going to be a chapter of prayer. He's going to pray for three different individuals. He's going to pray for himself, he's going to pray for his disciples, and he's going to pray for all believers uh, in that prayer. We're going to get into that a little bit this morning, but I really wanted you to uh, uh, to come. Uh, come on in, guys. Uh, we're in John chapter 16, if you want to get over there when you get started. What's going on, man? Like I said, we've, we've been ending these two or three chapters for a while, and, and basically Jesus is giving them giving them a, the final final preparation. The end of chapter 16 is, is Jesus telling them, you know, the time is short. They don't understand. They have a problem understanding what he's trying to tell them. Uh, they don't get it. Uh, he knows that within a few short hours, just a few hours, he is going to be hanging on a cross. He knows that. They don't understand. They don't understand what the whole concept is. And he has told them uh, that everything is going to change for them. Everything. The relationship with your father is going to change. The relationship, their understanding is going to change. Remember we talked about it last week, that, that Jesus was, then the father was going to take their understanding and they were going to start to understand from a different perspective. As they see this unfold, as they see the crucifixion unfold, as they see this, the resurrection come about in the next couple of days, they're going to start to understand way more about what he said and what he's what he was trying to get across to them. So they're going to figure it out. And he said their understanding will change. And he said, and also their future is going to change. They're going to have a hard life. He promises them that. It's going to be tough. They're not going to believe in me. They're not going to believe in you. And they're going to make your life miserable. Okay? And he tells them that to get them prepared. They're, they're convinced that, that everything's going to be fine. And then And then I want you to look at what he tells them. Come on in, guys. I want you to look at, at the last part of chapter 16 and what he tells them. And i got something I want to talk about right there, and then we're going to move on. Okay? Chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 31. He said, Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered. Each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. He's telling them what's going to happen in just a couple hours. They, they are convinced that everything's going to be fine, that they're going to be okay, that they're never going to abandon him, that they have been through all the stuff with him. And he said, I'm telling you, you're going to leave me alone. The only one that's going to stay with him is John. 
It's the only one that will stay with him. That will be, be with him at the cross. You know, he's already talked to Peter. He's already told Peter what he's going to do. Judas has already left. Judas has already went out to betray him. That's already done. This is a discourse that he is doing at the Last Supper. While they're sitting there, and he's telling them what's going to happen. And much of it he's telling kids to those 11 guys. Now, there's disciples there, but those 11 guys are who he's talking to mostly. And, and, then, in, and then in verse 30, uh, verse 33, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, we know how Jesus is going to overcome the world. Jesus is going to go to the cross. He's going to shed his blood on the cross, and he's going to fulfill everything that was, that was presented through the law. He is going to be the fulfillment of the law. When he says on the cross, it is finished, he is finished. All the work that needed to be done, it's done. All that's left to do is for him to come out of the tomb. And he knows the Father's going to do that for him. The Father's going to bring him out of the tomb. He knows. You know, the prophecy about it, David even prophesied about it, that his flesh would not be, be put into Hades, not stay there, and his flesh would not see decay. He knows that he's coming out of the tomb, that that is the fulfillment. If Jesus doesn't come out of the tomb, how does he overcome the world? He doesn't. Next Sunday, you know, it's going to be the most church-attended day of the year. More people go to church on, on Easter Sunday than any other day of the year. They go more than on Christmas on Easter Sunday. Okay? You'll find people at churches that never gone to church all year, and they're going to go to church on Easter Sunday. Because when we celebrate that one time a year, we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate it every Sunday. We celebrate every day. You know, as Christians, we celebrate that every day, the resurrection, because we know without it, there is no overcoming the world. I know that, that all the overcoming that I've done in my life and that you've done in your life and what's available to people that are watching us, you know, the only, if he doesn't come out of the tomb, it's all for nothing. I could have done that. You could have done that. I don't want it, but I could have. But I can't do the last part. I can't come out of the tomb, which fulfills and makes, makes which ends and, and makes relevant the gospel of Christ. So the one question I have here is, he sells them, he said, though I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And I wrote down a question. Uh, what a, uh, this peace, what did coming to Jesus give you peace from? What did it bring about peace in your life? What did it make available where it became peaceful? And I, and I looked up that, that word and, it, and, and it's a, uh, it means freedom from or war or fighting. You know, it's a, it's a, to live a calm, to live calm or quiet. That's what he's talking about, about peace. Okay? We're in John chapter 16. When, what did, what did he give you peace from? What did, what did you find that coming to Christ made peace happen in your life? This is y'all's turn now. They, and if I repeat it, it's because they can't hear you. They can see, you know, if you see this right here, that's as far as they can see online. See how nobody sits here. Okay. Nobody sits here because the cameras only pick up to about right where Jill is sitting, almost just this little bit. So that's as far as far as you can see. But so I have to repeat what y'all are saying, all right? Because they can't hear you because of the, the microphones are right here. They can hear what these guys are saying, what he says, but they can't hear the rest of it. So what is, what is it? And they're dying to know because they're asking, you know, what does this mean to me? What is he trying to tell me? Go ahead, Dale. Christ gave me a life that's built on solid ground. Okay. That I what? have somewhere to go. That I, there's an anchor in my life that even though the world is in complete chaos, okay. I have a place to go to. So Cale says that 
that it gave him solid ground to stand on. Because the world's in chaos, gave him an anchor. He has an anchor now, and that's a peace. That, that's an absence of chaos. That, would you say that? doesn't mean chaos has stopped. It's still, go, it's still all around us. There's chaos all around us. But it means in my realm, in my, there is no chaos. <laughs> that's what he gave. Go ahead, Dan. Just the reassurance of knowing what's next. The reassurance of knowing what's next in my life. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Purpose. Purpose. Gave me purpose. Does that? How does that give you peace? Having purpose. It takes away any doubts. If you're relying, okay. If you're relying on purpose God has set before you. Okay. So it takes away. It takes away the doubt. It gives me purpose. It gives me direction. And that gave me a peacefulness. All right. Somebody had Vincent. Be, like being in a hurricane, he stealed everything around me. Okay. And put me with him for. Vince, it says like being a hurricane. In in being in the world, and and uh, being in Christ is like being in the eye. It's a it's a calm and a peacefulness, a freedom, the freedom from from the winds and all the and all the chaos. It's freedom from that. That's what he did. What else? What anybody else? It gave us a family that stretches across nations. Gave me a family. That what? That stretches across the nation. Okay. So I have a family worldwide. I have a family not just here, but I have a family all over. It gave me that. Now, how does that give you peace? How does it give you peace? There's always someone to rely on. Okay. You know, most of us, most of us were not, didn't have the privilege of being raised in the church. Okay. We came from the world. We came from the chaos and the catastrophe and the ugly of the world. Some of us came early. Some of us come late. Some of some of you may have have come to Christ at a at a at a, by, at a church youth camp or something, you know. Or some of you may have just taught yourself. You just started reading and you said, "Yeah, I can't do this. I got to I got to do something else." And it and it took it took a that that garbage of life because you know you know you talk to people all the time. How many of you? Well, I don't know. I won't do that. Yeah. How I many of you had a rough, rough childhood? Childhood that was that was that had some. I see two brave souls went like this. They can't see you guys. That, you know, that had things in your life that was was chaotic at best. You know, I mean, lives are full of of uh, uh, chaos. You know, divorce, uh, uh, abuse. Addiction, all kinds of stuff, and that brings chaos in a person's life. You may not think so, but you know, I mean, it, it, it's you know, when you when you sit down one on one with someone and they start to open up, and you start to see, you wonder how they got through it. How did they get through this? Because it's like bombs going off in their life. Every time they turned around, there was another bomb going off. And Jesus said, "I'm going to give you peace in your life. Knowing me and having me in your life is going to bring a peace in your life." And and I wrote down. The peace gave me a calm and a confidence in the purpose of God. That's something. Just something. That's what. It, that's what I wrote down for myself. It gave me a calm and a confidence in the purpose that God had in my life and the purpose that God had as a whole. When I realized what that purpose was, I realized how important it was and how how I fit into it. It's a peacefulness. It doesn't mean that, that there's not still problems that happen in our lives, but it's but when you can when you can connect it to that. It makes you be able to deal with it better. All right, let's go into chapter 17. Any more questions on that? You got that? Okay. And if you don't have that kind of peace, maybe you need to, to, to read 
reanalyze your relationship with Christ. Maybe he's trying to give it to you, you're just not listening. Maybe he's trying to give it to you, you just don't want to hear it because you're too comfortable where you are. Okay? Now, look at chapter 17. Now, these are prayer. He's going to pray the whole chapter. You know, he's going to pray that, that, that the Father glorifies him. Then he's going to pray for his disciples. And then he's going to pray for all believers. And I've alluded to this before, that a lot of the stuff that he's telling them, it connects to us. Because in chapter 17 at the end, he said, I don't pray just for these guys. I pray for anyone who believes on me through their, through their word. And we know that we're studying. John wrote this. Okay? He wrote this. He wrote this letter. We've already looked at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John already before this. So we've, we've looked at all. We know that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about going into the letters to 1st and 2nd Peter, you know, after this. I don't know if that's where we'll go. We're going we're gonna to figure that out. But if we do, then we'll be listening to what Peter has to say, okay, about these things. And we'll, we'll adapt them to our lives. But here he said he's going to pray for himself. Now, how... How afraid do you think he is at this moment right now? Let me. I'll, I'm gonna, how many of you got something coming up this next week that is uh, uh, gives you some pause? Gives you some, you know, you wake up and you and everything's good, and then you think about this one thing and say, oh, "Man, I wish that day would be already be over. I wish we'd get to it and be done." You know, when, when, when I first started preaching, you know, I'd wake up, you know, on a, on a Monday morning and say, ah, it's a good day. Oh, man, i got to preach Sunday. Man, I don't want to do that. And then every day you think about it again and again and again. And you just want to get past, right? I got communion thought next week. So. <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets easier, it does, but but there's a there's a, a, a queasiness. Now, I know that's, a, that's a, a, like elementary compared to what he's going. How do you think he feels? He knows that it's coming. Remember, he's a man. He knows it's coming. And way back here a month ago or two months ago or three months ago. But now, now it's day of. It's day of. Now it's it's hours and minutes away of what's going to happen. Huh? It's real. It's real. Now it's real. It wasn't, well, I'll, I'll find something else to do. I'll occupy my mind. I won't really think about it. But now there's nothing left. There's nothing left. And, he's, and he, we know... That he's afraid. Because when he goes to the garden, we know what he prays for. We know he really doesn't want to do this. He would really like to find a better, a different way. He knows he's going to do what the Father says. He knows that. But he, but he, it doesn't keep him from asking. You know, and I think it tells a lot about prayer. You know, I mean, I may know that what I'm, that what, what best for me is probably not what I'm asking for. God's going to do what's going to, what's best. And so I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, and, and I'm going to say, not my will, but your will. We can learn that from him. We can learn, what is he, look at what he prays for here. You know, he said, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. I'm going to add, stop right here. What does it mean to glorify? What, do you, what does it mean to glorify? He said, glorify your son. You know, he said, glorify your son and, and that your son may glorify you. What does it mean? Glorify your son. Glorify. To honor? To bring honor? Okay. Anybody else? You got, you got anything else? Bring honor? Huh? To raise him up? Okay. So he's praying, God, please raise me up. Please honor me. Please lift me up so that I can lift you up. Because he knows that everything that he's doing right now, if you go... 
all the way back to here. All right, this is where it started. If you're watching Cold and I on Wednesday night, we tell we tell people over and over and over. This only this whole Old Testament, all of this, had one purpose, and that was to bring us to Christ. That's all it's about. Bring us to Christ. Everything in there is about bringing us to Christ. Now here's Christ fulfilling everything that was said was said about him, fulfilling it, and he knows. He said, "You know, man, I'm looking around, and he said, flesh and blood, and this is not going to go well. This is going to get ugly." It's going to get ugly in a hurry. He knows what's what's ahead. And he says, Father, please lift me up. Please help me because I know what I need to do. I need to honor you and I need to raise you up in front of them because without that, they don't have anything. He, you know, I, I've never been in a situation where I was the last thing in line and there was nothing left. And if I didn't do my job, there was nothing left. I don't believe I've ever been in a situation like that. There's always somebody been around me that, that can pick up the slack. There's nobody, and he knows the hours here. So now, look at what he said. He said, "Father, your, the hours come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him." Okay. What is what's he, what's he pray for now? What did he pray for? What did he say? Father, you've given me all authority. Matthew chapter twenty-eight and verse eighteen says, "All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth." Okay. All authority. Ephesians chapter one. Since he is sat down at the right hand of the Father, and everything has been put at the footstool under his feet. Everything. He has authority over everything. He has authority over everyone. Everything. And he and he says, he says that all that he said, you grant over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Okay. How, how's how's that work? Well, remember, we've looked at all this already. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take you back and remind you of of something that he, that he said. Look, look at back at at a. Uh, chapter uh, uh, chapter six. Look back at chapter six. We're going to start in verse thirty-nine. Look at verse thirty-nine. Chapter six, verse thirty-nine. Alright? Now remember, we're talking about who has he given him? Who has the Father given him? And how does that how does that work? We've looked at it before. I just wanted to take you back to this verse. We looked at this at, at, at length before. Look at what he says. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of the all of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my father's will, I listen to that. My father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So who is the one he's given them? Anyone who's looking to the, look to the sun and has changed their life, and it, it, that's eternal life. Looking to the sun and, and becoming in a relationship with the sun. That's what he told him. So I know what the Father's will is. I know who he gives to, to anyone. Anyone. Somebody asked me the other day, would, did God still love Judas? Absolutely. Absolutely. God doesn't know how to do anything but love. That's all he is. That's why he's so adamant about us learning how to do that. Because that's all he is. You know, did, did he... Uh, did he want Judas to do it? No. Judas was born to that. You know? God's not going to change a good heart into a bad heart. He doesn't do that. Okay? But he wants us, he wants us here to, to learn that the Father's given us to him because we've been because we believed in what he had to say. We believed his word. And we applied it to our life. It's not just, well, yeah, I, I know, I know what John 3.16 said. But what does verse 34 and 35 say? What does it say? 
when you look at the context, what does it tell me? What, what is it trying to tell me? What is God telling me? You know, I can't just know what it says. I've got to be obedient to it. That's what it means. I've got to do what he tells me to do. And if I do that, if I do that, then God has, the Father has given me to the Son. And that peace and all of those things come are available in my life. Now, look at what else he says here. He said uh, that all the people that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now, this is eternal life. All right, listen. This is eternal life. They know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Okay? What does that mean? Tell me what you think that means. What does it mean? That they, this is eternal life. This is, you know, people think, well, I think this is eternal life. If I go to church every Sunday, there are people in the world today. I mean, there are going to be people over here this morning, all right, that believe that all they got to do is go to church on Sunday and everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know? There are people over here this morning, I don't know who they are, are in danger of going to hell because, they're, because they have not done what this says. What did he say? He said, this is eternal life. You want to clear it up? Here it is. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I know the Father and I know the Son. Now, you walk out on the street and pull 100 people how many of them will say they know who Jesus Christ is or know who God is? How many of them you think? 90%? 95%? 100%? Probably in our town? Probably 100% of them. Well, I know that. That's not what he's talking about. The word in the Greek is gnosko. You know what it means? It means the knowledge that I have for my wife that you don't have. I know my wife like you'll never know her. I have an intimacy with her. You know, we 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 have gotten to the point where, you know, sadly, she has had to do this. We are we have melded of mind. Y'all are laughing. Bless her heart. Sorry, bless her heart. Yes. But I don't have y'all don't have that with her. Because I know her intimately. I know who she is. I know how she thinks. Okay, that's what the word means. It it almost comes from a from a, a the the word almost has a, a a a sexual intimacy kind of, but it doesn't. But it kind of. That's how intimate it is. That's how you know. I can't say. Well, I know God. Yeah, I know. That's not what he's saying. That's not that's not what this is. To have eternal life, I have to have an intimate understanding of Jesus Christ and His Father. Yeah, Kale. Well, and it's also when he talks about. Talking about the present, not talking about That's the future mm -hmm. that you can have eternal life. Yeah. I have eternal life now. I am I am bought with a price now. I have that relationship now. I know him. And I, my knowledge of him is growing day by day. Every day it's growing. And because I want it to grow. I want my knowledge of him and my understanding and my closeness with him. Because I want to go to heaven. Don't you? Man. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to. I don't want to go to the other place. I want to go to heaven. And so, what does he tell me? I have to. I have to know him. You know, I mean, it, it's taking me a while, but it, it took me a while to get to know her, for her to get to know me. It didn't happen overnight. You know, it takes a while for that that kind of understanding and knowledge to happen. And it's, it, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still drawing closer to him and allowing him to draw closer to me. 
in the things that happened in my life. So what he's saying here is, is you want eternal life? You want eternal life? Then know him. How do I know him? By listening to what he has to say and applying what he has to say in my life. By listening to what Jesus said and applying that to my life. By listening to what his people are doing and watching and, and applying that to my life. Getting intimate, getting close to him. Allowing myself. You can't do that for an hour a week. It doesn't work that way. You understand what I'm saying? You can't find that. If, if George and I decided, well, we're just going to be close an hour a week. What do you think happens? You think we get close? Best friends do that. Husbands and wives don't do that. You can't do that with a relationship with God either. You can't do it once one hour a week. It doesn't work that way. I want, you know, I want everything that's good for her. I want everything that's well, that, that does well for her. I want, I want that. If she's involved in something, I want it to go well, and I want it to help any way I can. And if she needs me to back off, you know what she does? Back off. But I've learned. I've learned she doesn't even have to tell me sometimes. All she has to do is look at me. And I know it's time to back off. But I want what's best for her. I want everything to go well with her. Well, I want the same thing with God. I want everything in my life to, to portray Him in a positive way. I want to do the best I can do for Him. I want to bring people to Him. I want them to know about Him. And I know that they're going to look at me, so i got to be on my game. That's what it means to me to know Him. What does it mean to you to know Him? Some of it we talked about already, about the peace. Gives me a foundation. I know, I know, I know, sadly, so many people, Kale, they don't understand that foundation. They don't understand the anchor because they're not willing to let him, let that knowledge of him come into them. And that's sad. Because they, they maybe never will. It, you know, I mean, you know, it gives me a purpose. You know, I only know that purpose because I got to know him. And I understand, you know, it says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, holy, and pleasing will. I can know what God's will is. I know what God's will is for me. I know. He wants me to be faithful to Him. He wants me to, he wants me to, 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 to gravitate to this body of believers. He wants what, everything that's best for me. That may have not been what happened in my life with my own father or with your own father, but that's what this father wants for me. And I know that as he tells me that. And Jesus told me that over and over and over again. And he said, you know, this is eternal life, that you know the only true God. There ain't other gods. That means your money can't be your God. That means your stuff can't be your God. Your car, your house, your, your boat, whatever, can't be your God. He has to be your God. Can't be the rest of it. All right? And he said... I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Woo! That's a mouthful, man. You know? That's what we have. We have that sense of his presence. Yep. Absolutely. That's what I have every single day. He's there. He's there. I have that presence. You know what he prays for here? He says, he says here in that last part of that part of that prayer for himself. He said, uh, and and uh, he said, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you had for me to do. Do you believe God has the work for you to do? I know it can't be this work because that was only His. He can only do that. You know when He said it's finished. 
on the cross. It was finished. He finished the, the all the, the stuff with the law. He finished it. He's going to nail it to the cross and be done with it. It's over because he is the fulfillment. Go look at the book of Hebrews. He is the fulfillment. He is he is the he is everything the law said. That's that's him. Okay. And he said, I've finished all the work that you've had for me to do. And then he said, uh, he said, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What do you, I, I'm going to ask you the question again. Do you believe that God has a work for you to do? You believe that? You believe that, that there is a that that you have as as long as you are here that you have a responsibility to do everything in your power to fulfill whatever that work is in your life, whatever it is. You, know, you think you have that responsibility. If God gave you work to do, you know, I mean, y'all got kids that got little kids, a little girl right there, y'all got kids that went to Bible Bible school and did well. You know, you have, you have things that you need for them to do, right? You have chores for them to do? Do you expect them to do the chores? Do they have reward system or punishment system if they do or don't? Okay, so yet those things that you require them to do, okay, that you're going to do this, and this is what's going to happen if you do this. You expect them to fulfill the work that you've set out for them to do. What does God do? He's a better father than you are, Kale. I mean, you, you, you're a good dad. I've watched you with your kids. You're a good dad. But you know what? He's better than you are. So when he asks you to do a work, what is his expectation? That you're going to do it. And he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that you do. And at some point, the work will be done, and, he's, and his use for you will be over. Right? You know, there will come a time in, in your kid's life, you've got things for them to do, chores for them to do. You know, I mean, if while they're living at home, you say, okay, you're going to take out the garbage. Okay? There's a job for you to do. I'm going to give you this much money every week to do your chores. When they move out of your house, what happens? The chores stop because they don't live in your house anymore. They got to take out their own garbage. You know they're not expected to take out your garbage, but you did that to teach them to take out their own garbage, right? So God said, "I've got a job for you to do. I've got work for you." I know that from Romans chapter twelve. He said, "I know what His will is. I know that He's got things for me to do, and I've got to strive with everything I have to fulfill those things." And then, and then the last part of this, He said, "He said, and now, Father, glorify me." in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. We got a text we got to go to. Okay? And it's uh, it's in Philippians chapter 2. You need to turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Because what did he ask for at the end of that part of his prayer? What did he ask for? Please glorify me with the glory I had in your presence before as when before the world began. So there was a there was a time in Jesus' life when he was not a man. He was not the son of man at that time. Okay? He was there was a there was a time in his life when he had a different environment he lived in, different things that was going on, and he's asking for that back again. What he's asking for. Okay? And I want to take you to Philippians chapter two. Because this is where he left. This is where he lost it. No, this is where he gave it up. Okay, chapter two, in verse five, he said, "In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus." 
who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Okay? He was equal with the Father. We said. That's part of the glory yet. He was equal with the Father. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So what did he do? At the Father's behest, he walked away from that relationship. He walked away from that glory. And he said, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what did he what does he do? He leaves the glory of the Father in heaven that was there at the beginning of time. He leaves that and comes here and becomes just like you. Alright? Just like you. And he left that. And he said, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the, and under the earth. So what do we know? Here's this. This is a follow-up from what Jesus is asking for. What is he asking for in John 17? Please grant me the glory I had before. I gave it up. I need it back. Please give it back to me. And what does is, what is Paul tell the church Philippi? He did. He gave it to him. He gave it back to him. He gave him back the glory that he had before because that's what, that's what he says here. He said, And by that name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And he said, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. What did he give him? Back his, his glory that he had before. And even amplified it. Now, put everything under his feet. He has, uh, has authority over everything. Everything you do or don't do, he has authority over. That's amazing, guys. Isn't it? The Savior of the world. Your Savior. The one who said, I'm going to send my spirit to indwell you. I'm going to send him as a down payment gift for what's coming down the road. I'm going to give him that. Now, we're not going to study that all again. We've already studied all that. Okay? But that's what he said. He said, I promise you, I will not leave you alone. Remember, I told you, chapter 17, not only talking to them, but he said, I'm praying for all of these people. We know in Acts chapter 2, when those guys were baptized into Christ, what did he say happened? They asked, what can we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that was an indwelling because Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that. That he gave us him as a down payment. Now, so, he didn't leave us alone. He went back to the glory of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit back. He said, if I don't go, he can't come. Sent him back. And I have that with me every single day. And then I decide, I decide that I'm going to only give God an hour a week. Are you kidding me? Really? That's what we've decided? We're going to give him an hour a week and think that's good enough? I don't, I don't think that's going to fly. I think he's got more work for us to do than that. I think he's, his expectation of us is greater than that. Would you would you take your children and say, well, I, I, I would really like for you to take out the garbage, but if you don't, it's okay. No, no, not going to happen. Or, you know, you got three kids. you got things for them to do. If they don't do it, you come home and it's not done, but, you know, Clean up your room. Oh, boy, that's okay. I know it was a tough day. You know, we're not going you know, to ask you to do that. You know, is that what you do? God's not going to do it either. He said, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. He said, give your money. Take communion on the first day of, the, of every week. He, said, he told us to do this. He said, to become a family. Love. What are, the, what are the scripture readings our kids are learning? They're learning the greatest command, remember? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what else? And also love your neighbor as yourself. 
They, they stand, unfortunately, they stand up here and they quote them. Make us feel really bad, don't they? Because now they've got about five scriptures they're doing and they rattle them off. Bang, 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 like that. And I'm going, man, I can't do that. Man. Now they're going to learn a new one. Today after lunch, I mean after after service, they come over here for lunch and they and they work on their things and they sing songs together and they have a, a children's thing. And they're going to do that. Okay? And they're going to learn a new one. Psalm 1. Verses 1 and 2. They're going to learn. And they're not, they're not going to learn it instead of, they're going to learn it with. And so now when you see them on, on that course, they're going to do this one, this one, this one, this one, and then they're going to do Psalm 1. That's what the Father is looking for uh, from us, is to be children like that. Watch them this morning, okay? And, and I'm doing communion thoughts, so I'm going to remind you again. Watch them this morning when they do the children's offering. Watch how they offer and how they give their money, okay? That's what God's looking for from us. That's what He's looking for. To have that, that spirit. He said, unless you become like a little child, you can have no part of it. Okay? Unless you become like a little child, you can have no part of it. We're going to pick it up here next week. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to look at His prayer to His disciples. I don't want to get into it because there's a lot here and it may take us a couple of weeks to get through it all. And then He'll talk to us. I think He's been talking to us all along, but He's going to talk to us at the end of this prayer. Okay? All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.